This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So today I want to talk about a topic that we haven't covered on the Value Investor Podcast, and it kind of involves value sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't. But I wanted to talk about what it takes to be a 10-bagger stock. What is a 10-bagger stock? Where do you find them here in 2019? And I realize some of you maybe have not even heard the term 10-bagger stock, and you might have no idea what that is. So it's really a phrase from the 1980s and 1990s. So I'm showing my age here a little bit because I know what it is. But it's still in use today, and it was created by Fidelity's famous mutual fund manager, Peter Lynch. And I know I've talked about him before. Um, he ran one of their mutual funds, and he outperformed the market from 1977 to 1990. And he was a big deal back when mutual funds were the way to go before there were ETFs. And he talked about 10-bagger stocks in his best-selling book, One Up on Wall Street, which I do recommend actually reading still if you haven't read that one. Yes, yeah, some of the examples will seem really outdated now, but the concept is really good. So I do still recommend that one. You can get it on Amazon. Um, but he was talking about 10 baggers as meaning that the stock is appreciating 10 times since the initial investment in it. And that would mean like the, you know, the company went from $10 to $100, $20 a share to $200 a share, you know, the basic concept of 10, 10 times. So Lynch was not necessarily uh, solely a value investor because he mostly bought growth stocks, but because he ran his fund from 1977 to 1990, it was inevitable in those early years, especially that many of his investments were value stocks with that growth component because the late 1970s and everyone was ignoring stocks completely. They were in bonds. You were getting like an 18 to 20% yield in bonds. Why would you buy a stock? There, you know, everyone was turned against it. They had been in a bear market for the prior decade. So nobody wanted to be in them and everything got really cheap. So, but his investment philosophy tended to support the buy what you know mantra. That's the simple, simple version of his strategy. But that meant in the in the late 1970s, because he was buying a lot of retail and restaurant names and things like that, um, he did get some of those value stocks in there. And you can still do that too with looking for the 10 baggers yourself. Okay, so he didn't just get um, the 10 baggers, like I said, back then buying what we would buy today, like the tech companies, like buying some small tech, tech thing or the biotechs. Everybody thinks you got to go with the biotechs to get the 10 baggers, but he did buy the retailers and the restaurant chains. So one of the key strategies for him was getting into these growth stocks early in their maturity. And he's admitted over the years that you didn't need to be in the stock right in the beginning of when, you know, quote unquote, the story was starting. You didn't even need to get in it at the IPO because many of these stocks take uh, decades really to grow out. And you can still get in them and get your 10-bagger stock or get a really good return, even if you get in after the very beginning. So one example he's always given in many of his interviews was Walmart. 
So Walmart went IPO in 1970, but most investors didn't know anything about it. Like unless you lived in Arkansas or the Southeast where Walmart had expanded and that was obviously where they're headquartered still today, you probably had never heard of it. And it took years to spread across the United States. So by 1980, certain areas were starting to hear about it and the stock had started to take off. So if you bought 1970, you went to 1980, you saw big gains even with the bear market. Um, But if you had held off another 10 years, say, or say you still hadn't heard of Walmart, you were in California, so you had no idea what it was, Even by 1990, you still would have been able to buy it in 1990, 20 years after its IPO, and you still would have had a 10-bagger by 2000. Now, again, um, some of that has to do with just the market conditions and whatnot, but it's a good reminder that you don't necessarily have to get in at the very beginning to still get a 10-bagger. Of course, if you bought in 1980 versus 1990, you would have had even more money. (laughs) You would have been doing really well for yourself, but you didn't miss out on the whole gamut of it by waiting those extra 10 years. Another example he's mentioned in the past in his books is Home Depot. And he bought shares of that in the late 1970s too. I think he went to Atlanta and he, someone said, hey, you should go visit the store there. And he walked through and loved it. And I think the shares were like $2 or something. (laughs) And he's like, sure, I'll buy some of this. And he did. And it turned out that one was also an extremely good investment. But what if you didn't buy um, Home Depot back when he was first walking through the stores? What if you waited on that one? What if you waited and bought some, and I did some, I just threw in some dates here and and checked to see what you could have gotten if you bought in later. So let's say you bought some on February 1st of 1990. This is also during the bull market, and then you never sold. So holding on through you know March of this year, you'd be up 9,127%. So... I'd say you you did pretty good versus the S&P 500, which was up just 746% during that time period. So 9,000% return if you had waited a bit and bought it in 1990. Of course, that is also if you managed to hold on all that time. And looking at the chart, the 2000s weren't real easy for the buy and hold crowd. You probably would have gotten a little bit discouraged in the 2000s. I took a look at what you would have gotten then. I looked at um, the beginning of January 2000 through December 3rd, 2007, for some reason, (laughs) December 3rd, you would have been down 52% over that seven-year time period. And the S&P was down just 1% because those were part of the recession, the secular bear market, the lost years, as we like to say, is what happens during the bear markets. And so even a juggernaut like Home Depot didn't perform well at all during that time period. But since the bottom of the financial crisis, Home Depot is up again. So I looked at March 9th, 2009, that was the bottom of the S&P 500 of the Great Recession sell-off. And I looked through again February 1st of 2019. And Home Depot is up 588% during that time period versus 222 for the S&P 500. So not quite another 10 bagger if you had waited to buy it at the very bottom of the lows, if you had like miracle timing ability and you managed to get it in there. 
but you would have had pretty good returns there, um, not too shabby. Another good example of a 10-bagger over the last 10 years is one you wouldn't really have thought of, and it was a value stock and continued to be for many, many years, and that's United Health Group, ticker UNH. So health insurance, pretty boring. You wouldn't necessarily think that could be a 10-bagger, but it's up 929% versus 219% for the S&P over the last 10 years. The stock went from $20 to $253. So that is a 10-bagger. It's going from the 20 to over 200. So United Health Group, one you would not think of because a lot of people tend to think only of the big growth stories. But when you have stock pullbacks or stock sell-offs, a lot of the growth names become values or just become more attractively valued and you can get in at a better price point, and hence then you were able to get the 10-bagger stock over United Health Group. But I'm going to have a little bit more on also another reason why United Health Group um, had performed as well as it did right now when I'm going to talk about the five characteristics you should look for when trying to find a 10-bagger, because that's the big question, right? Like, how do you find one of these? It's all fine and dandy to go back and look and go, oh, yeah, sure. I, of course, I should have bought Home Depot 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, I should have bought it in 1990. It's fantastic. And we go there, you know, every week or whatever to remodel our kitchen, blah, blah, blah. But that's easier said than done, as we all know. Most of us cannot buy and hold, and the longest now most people are holding is a little over two years. So we're talking here decades, 20, 30 years. Most people aren't going there. And it's easy, again, to look back at what has already been done and say, of course, you know, of course I would have picked Home Depot, but maybe you would have picked Lowe's or one of the other competitors that doesn't even exist anymore. This is the difficulty with investing, right? So how do we look for possible 10 baggers now? I did run through five characteristics that we can use. These aren't like written in stone, of course. These are just the ones I use to try to find these 10 baggers now so that I can buy and hopefully maybe see some returns like this. So the first characteristics I do look for is that it dominates its industry. And it may even have a monopoly, even though those aren't technically not allowed, or a near monopoly, let's just call it that. And that might be a monopoly over just like a certain product um, that everybody is using that they love, or maybe a trend, that kind of thing. So think like Facebook, that ticker is FB. They are the leader in social media pretty much globally at least in the countries they're allowed to be in. And so they are dominating that industry, love them or hate them, but that is domination. Also, another characteristic you might want to look for is kind of like a hot new product. And what I mean by that is um, like a an old company that maybe stumbles across something new or is able to transform itself. And a company that did do that in the last 10 years is Domino's Pizza. Yes, one of my favorites, DPZ. For those of you who malign their pizza and say it's awful, et cetera, et cetera, maybe you haven't tried it since they uh, launched their new sauce and their new crust. And that was years ago. So maybe you haven't tried it since they have all their new products, but the launch of their new sauce and their new crust 
um, just after the Great Recession was a turning point for Domino's. And then they created their own app and they were the first in the pizza industry and almost basically in most of restaurants to create their own app where you can order on there and you can watch and see how long it's taking it for them to cook the food and when it's left the store and all of that. It was groundbreaking for them. So it basically created a new Domino's and those shares took off five-year return. It's up 216% now. Um, But Domino's, if you were paying attention to an older company with a new product, that is one. Now, going back at least to the domination argument, um, I took a look at Facebook sales too, and you can really see kind of where the domination goes in as long as these sales actually come through. But 2018, Facebook sales, 55 billion. 2019, expecting 68 billion. 2020, 83 billion. Now, they may not make the 2019-2020, but uh, given these expectations, that's pretty nice uh, sales growth there. And that's also a sign that um, you might be on the right track with your stock when you see sales growth uh, that dramatically still still ongoing. Okay, another characteristic, the third one, is really um, rapid expansion. And that goes also to this revenue growth that I was just describing. So you can see that with Facebook, it expanded really quickly globally. Now, a lot of these companies can, especially social media. And um, so you're starting to see those big numbers, both in the revenue and then in a company like them in user growth. Of course, Facebook itself might be kind of maybe reaching peak. We don't know. But Instagram's still growing pretty rapidly. And it's WhatsApp and some of its other segments still have pretty rapid growth too. So look for that. And then another characteristic, the fourth one, might be that a company has an advantage due to government regulatory changes. And this is where the United Health Group comes back into play because what changed for UNH over the last decade? Obamacare. Right. So that was passed in 2010. Leading up to it, all the healthcare stocks were in the gutter, basically. No one wanted to own any. There was tons of uncertainty. No one knew what the uh, healthcare world was going to look like. The um, legislation passes. People are still in doubt, but the companies adjust. And in this case, health insurers adjusted favorably and saw really big growth develop out of Obamacare. They got a lot more new customers, basically, who had to go out and get insurance. And so this has become a boon for the insurers. So the um, charts of the insurers basically track what happened after Obamacare. And now you're starting to see a little bit of gyrations in those charts, actually, because some regulatory uncertainty is now creeping back into healthcare. So that's something to watch. Medicare for all might mean no more private insurers. That's the the grand plan, right? So people starting to get nervous again about what it might mean for the insurers. So something to keep in mind is to look for regulatory changes. One you can look for right now is the one staring us all in the face. That is the legalization of marijuana or cannabis in by entire countries, by certain states in the United States. So as soon as Canada legalized it, their regulatory system kicked in. So they're heavily regulating that industry 
And that can create a lot of opportunities for companies as well. So you might want to look around in the marijuana area. I've talked about some of them in the past. Um, there's the big ones like Aurora Cannabis, which is ticker ACB. Then you have like Kronos Group, C-R-O-N, and Canopy Growth, C-G-C. Another way you might want to play in there, but the regulatory part of it is creating opportunities for these companies that are able to meet those regulatory conditions. So when the door was closed, now it's open. And so that's an area you might want to look at. Another area um, on the government regulatory side is many companies in China because China's heavily regulated economy, basically, and the government is choosing their winners over there and they've chose the winners in technology, basically. So think about a company like Tencent, tickers T-C-E-H-Y, that's the Facebook of China. So Facebook can't get in there, even though they've tried, uh, tried many times, they're not able to get in there. But they do have an equivalent of their own, which Tencent runs. So look for some of those uh, companies where the government has given them the advantage and allows them to have basically almost a monopoly in certain areas. So that's um, an interesting area to look to try to find 10 baggers. And then another characteristic is really just the strong brand you either uh, might love it or hate it. Look at Facebook. Plenty of people who hate it, uh, but plenty who love it, but everyone knows who it is. And I feel like that's kind of key for the strong brand. You can find it a lot of times in in the retailers and in restaurants or even something like Planet Fitness. That ticker is PLNT. Planet Fitness runs the, the you know health clubs. And as Peter Lynch himself has said, it takes a long time to saturate the market from coast to coast. Now, he was talking mostly about retailers and before e-commerce, and Planet Fitness doesn't sell anything online that I know of. Maybe they sell some shirts or something. But you basically, you have to go there and you have to work out there. Like, that's how it works. You're using their machines, you're running on the treadmill, right? So they need to expand and grow by actually expanding their footprint coast to coast. And that just takes time, even though they've been at it for a little while. So is Planet Fitness a value stock right now? No. And it's not a 10-bagger, not yet. Um, I'm just pointing out that something like a Planet Fitness with a strong brand like that could be in the running to be a 10-bagger. So it went IPO in 2015. Shares are up 276% since the IPO versus 42% for the S&P 500. It's gone from $14 to $67 during that time. So it's not quite there yet at the 10 bag level if you had bought on that low at the 14. But 10, 10 baggers um, are usually pretty obvious to most investors later on. And they don't have to start out as the small cap or the hidden companies. Um, and you don't have to buy them that early in the cycle, like I said. Now, let's look at a couple of other retailers that I also think are kind of interesting right now. So, yeah, you might have missed Home Depot and you missed it off the lows. Um, doesn't mean company like that still doesn't have growth going forward either, depending on what you're paying to get it, of course. Uh, but what about a company like Lululemon? It's made its name on the yoga pants, but it's definitely expanding beyond that now. Um, just on a side note, they started doing 
selling bras and those are selling like hotcakes now too. So they're not just a one trick pony with the yoga pants anymore. Lululemon, ticker L-U-L-U, um, they were cheaper just two years ago, but they've rebounded now that people think maybe they have made a comeback here. It's up 127% during that time the last two years. They only have 404 stores. That's worldwide. By comparison to see maybe where they could go, Old Navy, probably like a little bit bigger chain because they're targeting a lower price point. They have 1,106 stores worldwide. So um, quite a bit of ways to go before Lulu, Lulu gets there. And maybe they never will because that's not totally their business model. But still expansion possibilities with Lulu. And they got the good online game going. Another one, Canada Goose, ticker G-O-O-S. They've been around in business a couple decades now, but haven't been IPO'd uh, recently. So they haven't, the shares haven't been around as long, but they only have 12 flagship stores. They just opened in Beijing only a couple weeks ago. So you can see they still have the opportunity to be in a lot more cities. Now they have one here in Chicago. So I've seen it in action. I've seen people waiting in line to get in there. Um, so that's always kind of a sign to me, people waiting in line, why to get into the store, but they do. You can also buy online and they sell wholesale through other stores, other department stores and um, big name stores as well, because they only have the 12 flagships and people want to try on their products. So Canada Goose, another area you might want to look. Those shares have been stuck around um, the same price up and down a little bit in a narrow trading range. Over the last six months, they're actually down 13%. They're still trading at 53 times though. So I'm not trying to sell them to you as a value stock here, but just as um, a possibility of a 10 bagger. And like I said, some of these growth names tend to uh, overheat sometimes. They fall slightly out of favor and they fall down or they have a PR issue like Lulu did with its yoga pants. Uh, that was a couple of years ago now. And so that's something to watch out for. Similarly, Chipotle, CMG has recovered from their PR problems a couple of years ago and maybe back on track to doing the 10 bagger thing again, because they were earlier in their career, definitely for those early investors, one of the 10 bagger stocks. But looking for 10 baggers is a great investment exercise. It forces us value investors to also look for growth and to think about these other things like the branding and um, what people are thinking about when they're thinking about a growth stock. And that's good for value investors because you sometimes can find the value, like I said, with the growth component. Nobody would have guessed UNH when it was trading with single digits would have been a 10-bagger stock over the next 10 years. But here we are, and it's one of the best performers <laughs> out there basically over the last 10 years. So, so keep an open mind when you're looking for the 10-baggers, but a lot of them tend to be in these glamour kind of stock names that we all know. And also remember the key thing that Peter Lynch tries to remind people is that it takes a long time to grow out a business and for a business to reach peak. Some might say, you know, General Electric has reached peak in the last like couple of years, but it's been around over a hundred years. So it's taken a long time to get there. And some of these others, it's going to take a long time too. So keep that in mind and don't think maybe you've missed it if a lot of the growth is still in play there. So 
Um, that's another key thing with finding 10 bagger stacks. So I gave you some, some good advice here on how to find one. There's no guarantee, of course, and nobody knows what the stock market's going to do or any individual stock, but it's kind of fun, isn't it? To look around and, and try to think about what stock could get you to the 10 bagger status. And another side little note, the 10 bagger isn't going to come overnight. You might dream of buying like that biotech that suddenly becomes a 10 bagger. I'm going to do a whole nother episode on that. I call them lottery stocks, but 10 baggers aren't really lottery stocks. They are literally buy and hold. And you might be holding for quite some time because while Facebook did become a 10 bagger pretty quickly, it has fallen back off those highs. So even if you manage to get in on that low, remember when IPO, it surged, it fell back down and you were able to get Facebook around 20 bucks a share. So if you were able to do that, you managed to get a 10 bagger. But even if you didn't get in there, um, you know, it takes a, a lot longer than you think to get to the 10 bagger status. But uh, as you as you might expect, it takes a while for these stocks to really um, see the growth and you have to have some patience. So us value investors, we're good at that. So keep that in mind when you're looking for the 10 bagger stock as well. So let's recap some of the tickers I talked about today. Um, there's Walmart, WMT. Is that still a 10 bagger? I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of more competition in there in their industry now, even with just Amazon and the growth story is still is not really there anymore with the Walmart, but WMT might want to check that one out anyways. And then Home Depot is still HD, but it's looking a little bit tired here as well. After a big run, we had UNH, unclear what's going to go on with insurance now going forward. UNH is the ticker. Tencent, you might want to look at some of those Chinese stocks. T-C-E-H-Y is the ticker. Facebook on the U.S. side, um, it's been out of favor. It's rebounded off those recent pullbacks. But can it continue to dominate its area? Facebook FB, I own that one in my own personal portfolio. Domino's DPZ is the goodness priced into that one. Um, Unclear. Still the king of the restaurants, though. Still with some of the best comps in the entire industry. But it's been a while since they brought out that app now. So you have that issue. Then we had some of the um, other kind of retail and good brands on that side. Uh, Canada Goose, G-O-O-S, still in its infancy, you might say. Lululemon, also on the luxury apparel side, L-U-L-U. And then there's a company like Planet Fitness. It's already been pretty hot out of its IPO, but still it's got a big expansion runway ahead of it too. P-L-N-T is the ticker there. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode here on The Value Investor because we're always covering some of these cool topics that I know everybody's interested in and I'm bringing you the value stocks. I didn't really have so much value stocks today, but um, some may become value stocks in the future. Who knows? So, but I will try to bring you as many value stocks as I can every week here on The Value Investor. You can get us now on Spotify. We're over there. We've been for a while. I know a lot of you are checking us out. So I'm hoping some of you in India are getting us over there now, now that Spotify is launched in India. 
And also you can get us on Apple Podcasts. I know we're popular there too. We have a standalone show, The Value Investor Podcast on Apple. And then you can get us on SoundCloud, but you got to get us with the Market Edge. Nothing wrong with that. Two for one over there on SoundCloud. But be sure you're getting us somewhere. And I'll be back again next week with some more value stocks.